0: Good morning. Good morning. All right, I need you guys to do me a favor. No, uh-uh. <laughs> Debbie, can you put that up on the screen? So I'm going to give you uh, my phone number. All right, there is my cell phone. I want you right now to send me a text, if you want to. All right, send me a text with your name, maybe your email. Uh, maybe with a gif that describes you or something like that, just so I make sure that I have you in my in my phone. Because yesterday I was getting ready to text somebody. I'm like, man, I don't have them in my phone. Then I get ready to text somebody else. And I'm like, man, I don't have them in my phone. So if you can send me a text, unless you know, like, you know I have you in there. Like, you know you know. But, I mean, if you don't know or if you're, like, 90, 90% sure, just send me a text and have it. Put your, put your email in if you want there on there. I feel my phone vibrating already. Um, <laughs> And, and I will have that. So I appreciate that. Send me, a, send me a message on Facebook, too. Add me as a friend. Don't have those fake accounts. Add me as a friend, right? Just your real account. Uh, that way I have you on there as well. And I would appreciate that. Listen, too, feel free to text me anytime. I'd turn my phone off at night so it won't go through. Uh, but you can still text me if you want at night. Just because you would probably kill me. But. Um, uh, I don't mind if you, if you do reach out to me um, anytime, all right? So, appreciate that. Uh, another announcement. I am going through the committee list right now because we need people to start stepping up and to get involved, and we need to rebuild some things. So I'm going through the committee list right now. I would ask that you would be praying and seeing where you are called to serve. What are your gifts? What are your talents? Like, listen, everybody in here that is a part of this church maybe you're visiting, that's fine, I'm not talking to you, but if you're a part of this church, you should serve somewhere, in some capacity. That's the expectation that I have, alright, whether it's you're praying for people, whether you're you're helping when we have things that come up, whatever that is, you know, I want you to be involved. If you have gifts and talents, which I know you do, especially the ones that God has given you, you should be using those to build the kingdom, alright? And if you're not, I'd say you're are you robbing God of that? So I want to encourage you to be looking at that, be praying about that. Uh, when I come up and ask you to do something, please just don't always say no. All right, think about it, pray about it, step out in faith, even if it scares you. If it really scares you, if I ask you to do something, then do it. All right, because that means that it is probably God's will, and that He's going to equip you and make it that so that you can do that. So um, I look forward to us serving together and growing the kingdom, all right? That's what we're called to do. So don't be, don't be scared of that. All right, I saw some people walk in. That's my cell phone. Add me to your thing. Send me a text right now and say, hey, this is, this is uh, your wife, uh, Adavi. Here's my phone number, so you have it. Uh, here's a gif that describes me, and here's my email, all right? And, and then add me as a friend on Facebook. And seriously, if you need something, I wish I would have kept the box here, right? Because we're called to carry each other's burdens. If you need something, Reach out to the church. Reach out to each other. Make some awesome friendships, man. This should be like a family. This should be a family that you can turn to, that we, we help each other out, all right? So that's what gets me excited. Uh, so that's why I want you to add me as a friend and, and add me on there. All right. Last name is Palmerich. I probably should have put that on there just so you could find me on Facebook. Probably the only Palmerich that you, you know in the area. All right. Uh, so, um, Remember to be praying about where am I going to serve? What am I going to do? And then um, if you can, while you're in here, share the service because there are a lot of people watching online and we want to get the word out about that. So feel free to get on your phone and do that. All right, would you stand with me? Today I want to talk about fear. I was reading a passage in Mark chapter 4, and this isn't what we're going to preach on, but it's a time when Jesus is crossing over with his disciples in the boat and Jesus is somewhere tucked away in the boat and he's really scared or or he's sleeping. He's not scared, right? And then, yeah, yeah, that, that would not make sense, right? But the waves and wind come and start pounding the boat and the disciples get all scared, right? And what's he do? They wake him up. He comes out. He calms the storm and he asks them a question, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I tell you what, everything that is speaking into our lives right now is all about fear. Fear of COVID, fear of the elections, fear of the economy, right? That's how newspapers, that's how media, that's how social media makes their money. They want you to be fear. They want you to be anxious and everything like that. And I know that's just the start of it right? Then we have all the situations that we're dealing with in our life that are speaking fear into us. So that's what I want to address with you and talk to you today about, and I'm excited. All right, we're also going to talk about life and um, during the pastoral prayer, and we'll get to that in a minute. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you together as a family. Thank you, Lord, that we can still gather together Thank you, Lord, that we can sing praises to you. For you alone are worthy of that. Lord, help us to be worthy of the gospel, of the good news that's been entrusted to us. Help us to share that with everyone that we meet and everyone that we come into contact, Lord. Holy Spirit, you have right away. Do what you want in this service. Lord, I pray that you would speak through the people up here, uh, the praise and worship team. Lord, I pray that if somebody has a testimony, that they'd give the testimony during the next prayer time. Whatever your will be done, Lord, we just praise you. And give you all thanks. Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank for this church. I, I thank you for, for getting a text from somebody today telling me that they are praying for me this morning. Lord, I know the hearts of people in here. And I'm grateful for that. Lord, give us those soft hearts. Give us those soft hearts for, towards people in our communities. Lord, the people that are overlooked. The people that are neglected. The people that are put down. Lord, help us to stand by them. Help us to intertwine our lives with them and to lift them up. Lord, we just give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to First Kings nineteen. First Kings nineteen. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed if you have to use the index. All right. First Kings 19. Uh, you got the first five books of the Bible, then you got Joshua Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel, and then first and second Kings. So it's towards the beginning of your Bibles. First Kings chapter 19. Listen, only ten of you guys sent me a text. And there's more than 10 that I don't probably have your phone numbers in here. So I will not sell your information to Google or anybody like that. So don't be afraid. I will not annoy you. I'm not much of a communicator, so I will not annoy you with a bunch of texts either. Um, I don't like talking to people on the phone. uh, So you don't have to worry about that as well. But send me me a text. Maybe you can put the the slide back on here at at a certain point and, and show that. All right, First Kings chapter 19. As I said, we live, in a, we live in a day and age where there are a lot of voices flying at us, a lot of voices coming to us, right? Oh, man, here we go. Somebody's just messing with me or, or something, or a lot of you guys are responding. But um, there are a lot of messages. We've got the TV, right? We've got news. We've got music. We've got social media. We've got friends. We've got family. And then you've got the church. Right and pastors and and preachers and and things like that. There are tons of voices coming from a lot of different directions trying to get you to listen to them, right? And at some point, you have to make the decision. I'm glad I have this right here because it kind of fits in. I didn't even think about this. You have to make the decision of who is on the mic of your life, who is speaking into your hearts, right? Who do you trust? Where do you get your opinions from? Where do you get the truth from? A microphone amplifies that voice and lets that voice go above all the other voices. Who are you going to let have the mic in your life? That's what I want you to think about today. Who has the loudest voice? I, I hope that you realize today that you get to decide who has the mic you get to decide who has the mic. We can't silence every voice that comes at us, right? But we can allow someone to have the microphone and speak above all those other voices. And sometimes it's one person. Sometimes it's another person. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a pastor. Sometimes it's the Word of God, right? Who has the mic? Who are you allowing speak to speak into your hearts? For many of us today, fear has the mic. All right? Fear is the one that is speaking to us: anxiety, depression. I'm not talking about a concern, right? A, a good, healthy concern. I'm not talking about dealing with real issues. I'm talking about fear and anxiety. I'm talking about this type of fear that it um, doesn't let us find rest at night right it keeps us up it pushes us to imagine all sorts of different scenarios working themselves out well what if this happens what if the doctor says this what what am i going to do it's it's a type of fear that can be paralyzing crippling or it can just dominate our thoughts my friends god calls us to step out on faith in faith right When fear floods in. But how do you do that? That's what we want to look at today. This has probably been one of the worst years for me. I never remember dealing with fear except for in high school. right? And I had some weird situations going on in high school. But this year has just been probably one of the hardest years for fear and late night. Um, My wife can attest to that. I have just been unable to sleep and find rest at times for hours and hours and hours. And and I've learned something through this that I want to share with you today. Some some practical things that if you're struggling with fear, I think are going to help you out. Uh, fear not only robs us of peace, but it also can affect us physically, right? It can even get us to cause us to question God. So let's look at this. We're going to be in the Old Testament, like I said, First Kings nineteen. Uh, In this story, this is an amazing story, and I don't want you to miss this because there is somebody that we're going to look at who uh, has such a powerful testimony and faith, you would think this would be the last person that would be dominated by fear. right? And yet, he is. Incredible stories, incredible moments, God moving in in miraculous ways, uh, but he was taken down when fear got the mic. And started speaking into his life. All right, First Kings nineteen one. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with his sword. And I just want to I just want to read this part a little bit longer. All right. Um, now Ahab had told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left a servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. Elijah, a hero of the faith. He's ready to call it quits, right? Some background. We need to find out what's going on because... Uh, in verse nineteen one, it says that Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. All right, so Ahab, just so you know, is the king, king of Israel. He is not a good king. The Bible tells us that in First Kings sixteen thirty that. He did more evil than any other king before him. So this guy is not a good guy. He does not honor God. He is brazenly with his sinning. I mean, he doesn't care what God's laws are or anything like that. In verse 31, we see him marry this woman named Jezebel. Jezebel is not a good woman. If, if Ladies, if anybody calls you a Jezebel or your husband or boyfriend calls you a Jezebel, that is, that is not a compliment, all right? <laughs> Definitely not. She is, she is evil, um, she is not of the Jewish faith, and she ends up leading Ahab to worship her gods, her false gods. So he begins to worship Baal, or Baal, however you want to pronounce that. He builds places of worship so that the people can do it as well and leads the people in this direction. And as the story unfolds, as you read more and more, you see, that, you see who's calling the shots in this relationship. This is Jezebel calling. She's in charge, and she does not want anything to do with the God of the universe, the God of the Israelites. In fact, she sets out to have all the prophets killed, all the prophets in Israel killed, all right? But there's one advisor named Obadiah, and he grabs 100 of them and hides them into two caves. He puts 50 in one cave, 50 in another cave, so that the voice of God could be preserved in this generation, all right? In this moment, God speaks to Elijah and he says, I want you to go to King Ahab and have a conversation with him. This unfolds, this happens on Mount Carmel. Elijah meets Ahab and they verbally go at each other. And Elijah says, hey, grab 450 of your prophets of Baal, right? And and grab another 400 prophets of Asherah along with Israel, the people, and meet me here and we'll settle who serves the real God the one true, real God. So Ahab sends out messengers and draws all these prophets in. Like I said, 400 prophets of, of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah show up and, to take on Elijah. Elijah, keep this in mind, very important. Elijah thinks that he's alone, right? Because they've been putting to death all the prophets of God. He thinks he's alone. He doesn't know about the hundred that have been saved, all right? So what's going to happen in this time? Each side is going to make an altar, put a bull on it, put fire, put um, wood on it, and then they're going to call out to their God and ask God to send down fire to burn up the altar. And whoever's God does this will prove that they are the true God. All right? So they start, so Elijah says, hey, you guys go first. All right? And they start doing this. They start calling for their God, but nothing happens. And Elijah does what a lot of us do. He starts talking trash. All right? He's like, um, maybe your God's asleep, cry out louder, maybe your God's traveling, that's what it says in the account, maybe he can't hear you, Uh, just like I said, he starts talking trash to them, and so they start yelling louder, they start dancing around, they start cutting themselves with swords and spears, and the Bible says that blood flowed, and guess what? Nothing happens, right? Then Elijah says, hey, take some of these big pots, and I want you to pour water on our altar on on this altar of god all right so you've got the bull you've got the wood and then they just start pouring buckets and buckets and buckets of water on the altar and just completely soak it and then he prays right and the bible says that fire comes down and totally destroys the bull the wood it even says the stone and the soil Alright? That's how God responds. And the people see this, and the people of Israel fall down on their face, and they're like, He is Lord. Our God is Lord. Right? And then Elijah says, grab the other those prophets, and, and he has them put to death. And that's what we're, we're talking about. That's what we see in this verse 1. Right through this happens, though something else happens. Alright? Elijah tells Ahab, hey, rain is coming tells them to go eat and drink. And this is significant because right now they're dealing with a drought that has been happening for years. God has caused it not to rain for years. And Elijah says, hey, go eat and drink. There's a a storm brewing. So Elijah goes up on top of the mountain and begins to pray. He keeps sending his servant, the person working with him, and says, "Go, go look for a cloud. Go out, look beyond the sea, above the sea, and see if you see anything. And he sends them out seven times. And on the seventh time, the, the person comes back and says, "Yeah, I see a cloud, but it's the side of of a fist." All right, and in that moment, God God reveals to Elijah, and Elijah knows the rain is coming. So he goes back to Ahab and he says, "Go hitch up your chariot and take off because the rain's coming, and you don't want to get stuck." So that's what happened. All right, and then this cool thing happens in chapter eighteen, verse forty-five, which I always liked hearing as a as a child in, in school. Uh, chapter eighteen, verse forty-five. Meanwhile, the the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Then check this out. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. All right, so this is a pretty, pretty cool account. In, in my mind, I'm picturing this. Here is Ahab. He's, he's going at a pretty good pace on his chariot, right? And then Elijah just runs up to him gives him a head nod hey how's it going you know and then just (laughs) blows past him right blows past him on foot Uh, so we have god's power displayed in a mighty way on mount carmel right fire comes down proves that he is god then we have the drought ended right and then we have superhuman speed that, that Elijah gets. This is what he experienced. And this is, what, this is what Ahab communicates to Jezebel that we see referred to in chapter 19, verse 1. Right? Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So here is Jezebel, all right? And I said Jezebel is not a good person, right? She has a spirit on her, a spirit on her. And I mean, she has heard everything that God has done, right? All the miraculous things that God has done. God proved that he is the one true God by sending fire down. He's ended the drought and... He enabled Elijah to outrun your husband back to Jezreel. And yet she doesn't even blink. She's like, Elijah, you're dead. Right? You're dead. She gets on the mic and sends that message to Elijah. So here's Elijah, and he gets the word from Jezebel. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And when Jezebel got on the mic... Fear flooded into Elijah's heart, right? He's just outrun a chariot. He's just seen all this stuff happen, right? And with one voice, he's struck down by fear, right? One voice turns him upside down. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This, this isn't the type of fear that just says, Oh, I better be on my guard, kind of watch out for things with, with Jezebel, or I better go to the Lord and see what he wants, right? And and what he says about these things. No, this is the type of fear where terror sends him running. Sends him running for his life. And the Bible says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left a servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Prayed that he might die. In this next part, he gets on the mic. And he says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. I said, I told you this before, this kind of blows me away. This blows me away how fast this this voice of fear can turn a life upside down. But some of us know this because we've experienced this, right? We've gotten those messages in our lives from the doctor, from the news, from a friend, right? And fear comes into our hearts and turns our life upside down when that happens you see the same things happen to elijah right you get to experience those things those same things he it's like four things happen usually one number one fear causes us to forget what god has done right as soon as that voice gets the mic well what did the doctor say well what if this person gets elected what if the economy tanks right whenever fear gets the mic a lot of times we forget all the amazing things God has done in our life. Number two, fear causes us to forecast right, all those terrible things that are going to happen to us. In verse 3 it says that Elijah was afraid. If you look at this passage in Hebrew though, in the original language, you'll see, you'll see that Elijah was afraid because of what he saw. In other words, he was afraid of what he imagined was going to happen. He imagined himself being like one of those other people who were slain. He thought what Jezebel said was going to come true. He imagined that happening. People spend a lot of time imagining what's going to happen, all the bad things that are going to happen. Anybody do that? I do. I'm good at it. When you look at all these outcomes, they say that 80 to 90% of those things that you imagine never happen. That's what the studies show. Eighty to ninety percent of the things that you imagine are going to happen do not happen. So here we are wasting all this time and energy thinking about all the things that are going to happen, and the majority don't. It's a waste, right? We work ourselves up for nothing. Third thing, fear causes us to run, right? Elijah ran for his life. Sometimes we don't just run. Sometimes we run to something, Maybe it's a substance like alcohol or drugs. We just want to get away from these feelings of what we're feeling and everything like that. And alcohol will take that away for a time. Drugs will take that away from a time. Or we run to TV, right? That's what I would do when my mind just keeps moving and kept, keeps fearing and, and thinking about things. Man, if I turn on TV, then it would distract me enough that I won't have to worry about that. The problem is it's just temporary, right? Alcohol does not solve the problem. TV does not solve the problem. What are you running to? Fourth thing is that may happen as we fold. Fear wins and we fold. I'm done. Elijah was ready to die, right? This is amazing. Amazing not in a good way to me. Here's is, here is a prophet of God and he's done. It's crazy. Like I said, that fear gets to him so much. But at the same time, it's also a little bit comforting to me to know that "Eh, Elijah's like me, or maybe I'm like Elijah, right? It's comforting to know that he's human, just like me. It's comforting to know that he had struggles like I have struggles. It's not like God grabs these people in the Bible that we read about, and they're superhuman people that never have any problems, right? They're ordinary. The Bible says the disciples were ordinary. You know what the word ordinary translates into? Translate from idiota, where we get the word idiot. All right? And didn't quite mean the same thing, but that's where we get the word from. These are ordinary, everyday people. So when you're reading the stories in the Bible, don't think that they're superhuman. Don't think that they didn't have the same fears. I mean, here's Elijah the prophet of God. He is the prophet of God. This is a guy that's going to be on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus Christ and Moses. All right, That's who this is. And he's like, I'm done. Just let me die. Because fear got a hold of him. Hmm. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. It reminds me of when Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy And one of the way the enemy does that is by getting fear on the mic. This is a great message, right, so far? Pretty uplifting? Yeah, you're welcome. I bet you're glad you came today. It gets good. We're going to get to the good part, right? Back to the middle of verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. All right, so he's walked away all this way into the desert. Um, what is he going to eat? Well... Verse 6, he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Notice how God provides for him, right? Notice how God comes right into the moment and supplies him with what he needs. That's our God. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Apparently he wasn't where he should be. And maybe that speaks to you today right now. Maybe you aren't where you should be in some situation. Maybe you aren't where God had planned for you to be. And he's asking you, what are you doing here? Not in church. God had planned planned for you to be here in church, right? So you're where you should be right now, right? But maybe in that situation, wherever you're right now, all right? Here's Elijah's response. Verse 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me Two. notice what he says people have rejected you he feels like a failure he is the prophet of god called to call he is called to call the nation of israel towards god and they have rejected god right as a nation they have rejected god their country is going down to tubes maybe some of us can relate to that right and he's like i'm the only one left You ever go to work or school and you feel like you are the only follower of Christ there? You're the only one standing? I remember going to to the University of Akron and it was one of my very first classes and I got in it and the teacher said, who in here believes in God? (laughs) And I remember raising my hand and then one other person raised their hand and there were two of us. Two of us in that class that believed in God. And he asked us, why do you believe in God? And we had to go through that ideal. He was, he was not friendly towards that. But I tell you what, because I had one other person there, that strengthened me. That gave me a little bit more courage. Right? Sometimes you feel like you're the only one. And sometimes when that happens, it can just crush you. It can get to you. I don't know, somebody's out to get you, comes at you because of your faith. I remember, Adrienne, you telling me a story about your work, right? I know there's other people too. Maybe you feel like you're the only one that can beat you down. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, Elijah's on Mount Horeb. uh, Most scholars believe that Mount Horeb is also Mount Sinai. All right. And Mount Sinai is where God meets Moses, right? This is the mountain of God. And if you remember that situation where God met Moses, God puts him in this crack and puts his hand over Moses and God passes by, gives him a glimpse of who he is, right? And I think God is doing something similar here with Elijah. Check this out. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Have you ever been in something that's really windy? All right, there are some pretty big winds in this in this community that shake our house where we're at. All right, and um, I know my daughter; it scares her. Right, she gets a little bit nervous when that happens. But that's just a light wind. I mean, could you imagine a wind like this though that starts throwing rocks around? But. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there came an earthquake. All right, could you imagine being in a cave in a mountainside and there is an earthquake? I've never lived through an earthquake, so I can't imagine what that is. I've, I've seen it in movies, though. It looks pretty intense, right? But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He replied again, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. I feel like a failure, right? They put all your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. There's no hope, Lord. And they're trying to kill me too. That is a place of fear and a place of despair, right? I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. And I can't do it by myself. The Lord said to him, I love this. Guess who has the mic now, right? Notice a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper that will resound through or amplify in Elijah's heart. Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elijah son of Shephat from Abel Maholah to succeed you as prophet. Okay, this isn't real clear. But this is really cool. What God's doing here. And if you're struggling with fear, there's some things that you need to write down and you need to get in your head and you need to learn. All right, number one, train your ear to hear the whisper of God. Listen for the whisper of God. My friends, we all want the big things like happened on this mountain. We want the earthquake, we want the wind, we want the fire and everything like that. We want the big signs of God. But guess what? He's not in that. Right? That's what we want. The big sign he's not in that though he's in the whisper my friends train your ear to hear the whisper of God I don't know about you but our lives are so busy right now so full of things I don't think we have any time to hear the whisper of God you have to have those times you want to hear from God you have to have those moments of solitude you have to go in someplace shut the door Get away from everything and listen for the whisper from God. You have to have a quiet time. You have to have a quiet time that you can hear from God. Got to shut off your phone, man. Leave your phone away from you. Get away from all the distractions. If you don't, you're probably going to miss it. I, I've noticed that God usually speaks to me at night all right, when I'm trying to go to bed. And he used to make me mad. Like, like, why are you talking to me right now? Why don't you just talk to me during the day when I'm up? I'm trying to get some sleep. So, like, God will speak to me. I will go out to, my, <laughs> to the table, write something down. I will come back, and then he'll speak to me again. And I will go out. And by that time, Adam, he's like, what in the heck are you doing? You are letting all the hot air out of the covers and everything like that, you know? And I was, seriously, like, the one time I was like, why are you doing this, Lord? And he very clearly said to me, this is the only time I got your attention. This is the only time I can speak to you. God forgive us, right? Make time. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. But make time to listen for the whisper. When I I lived alone, I had to have the TV on. I had to have noise. And some of you are probably like me. You got to cut that noise off. You got to have moments of solitude regular times where you are quiet and listening for the whisper. Not only do you have to quiet yourself, but you also have to train yourself to hear and recognize His voice. What does this voice sound like? My friends, it sounds like the Word of God. Right? The more you're in this, the more you will recognize what His voice sounds like because they sound the same. The more you know the Bible, the more you'll do that. Alright? I was praying too. And let me tell you something, God doesn't always answer right then and there when you're quiet before him, but he will answer. Numerous times I have been in prayer one day and then the thing that I'm praying for about that day, God whispers to me the next day through a circumstance. He works something out. We were praying, what do we do with the parsonage? All right, And I was like, Lord, I really want us to use the parsonage for ministry and everything like that. And I get a call from a lady who her and her family have been kicked out Of a parsonage right they have nowhere to go she's bawling she's crying and and when I'm praying for what to do with the parsonage I'm praying how can we help widows how can we help single moms how can we help people what can we do with this parsonage? guess what single mom widow in this situation God works it out he answers prayer if we'll listen like I said it doesn't always happen that same day right there where you're praying but he hears you all right and he will speak to you it will come it's my experience it often comes later all right but like i said the more you know the bible the more you'll know and be able to recognize his voice proverbs 4:20 says my son pay attention to what i say turn your ear towards my words do not let them out of your sight keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I think this the scripture is saying make sure you know who's on the mic, who's speaking into your heart. Be careful who you allow to do that. Let me tell you something. It is very tempting to listen to the people that tell you what you want to hear. it is very tempting to listen to the people who tell you what you desire to hear without testing what they're saying, without seeing whether it's true. Man, I want to hear from God, but guard your heart and test what you hear. Test the people that you are allowing to speak into your life. Be careful with that. Do you know what your greatest currency today is, they say? It's your attention. It's your attention. They say that is your greatest currency. You see, your attention, listening to someone, watching something, literally puts money in someone's pocket. It does. If you're watching something on Facebook, if you're watching something on YouTube, if you're watching something on TV, we know, right? There's advertisements you are making money for someone. Be careful of that. Be careful. Watch what comes in. Make sure it is true. Make sure it is from God. Guard your hearts with that. People will tell you what you want to hear so that you'll listen to them. That is, that is a, what we're dealing with today. Pay attention to what God says. Too many Christians follow rock star pastors, right? Because they tell them what they want to hear. That is a huge problem. We have people speaking from the pulpit, and we know what God's Word says, but this other message will be a lot more popular. Maybe it'll get more people in here. And so pastors will put that out there. Guard your hearts. Isn't that what Paul tells us? Test everything against the Word of God. Right? You don't believe me. Check it. Check it in Scripture. Right? God forget, I might make a mistake and lead you in the wrong direction. You need to call me on that. Right? But guard your heart, man. There are some preachers out there that are not speaking the truth. Be careful. Guard your hearts. Pay attention. Who are you letting have the mic? Who has the mic if you look at who has the mic today man it is all about fear it is all promoting fear you look at the newspaper you look at the news i mean cnn has a a COVID death count death counter on there all the time man they're just promoting fear fear cells fear cells be careful i want to i want to train my ear to hear from the whispers of god I want to find some solitude some quiet time so that i can hear that whisper i want to hear him through his word speaking to me he is still speaking my friends i know some of you read the bible some of you pray and you think god is not speaking he is he is speaking if you'll listen if you'll allow yourselves to have those conversations if you'll shut up right i talk so much be quiet listen for that You know how I used to do my quiet time? Man, okay, got to get up. Got to read the Bible. Check. Done. Read that. Got to pray. Check. Done. Okay, I'm done. All right? Does that allow God to speak to you? It might a little bit. All right? But you can't approach it like that. You can't approach it as something to check off your list. Lord, would you speak to me through your word? All right? Holy Spirit, open my eyes, open my heart, open my thoughts. Speak directly into me all right and then pray and read it all right and then you're like i have no idea what i read so you read it again you know that happens all right it's not like you're just going to automatically get everything that you read but i tell you what the more you do it the more you'll understand it the more you'll get it you got to read the whole entire thing to get the big picture once you get the big picture the little stuff starts adding up a little bit more or you come to you come to wednesday night bible study right and let somebody speak truth into your life 6 30 all right and then you pray, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Show me what you want me to hear. You know, if you're, I'm the type of person that I can't pray really long. Or I, I cannot speak really long. I just run out of things to say. That's a good thing. Because you shouldn't be speaking the whole time when you're praying. right? Allow God to speak to you. Allow God to bring people and put people on your hearts. You don't have to talk the whole time, right? All right, listen for that still small voice. Listen for that whisper. Recognize it. Learn to recognize it. Number two, God says, go back the way you came. What's he saying? Go back home. Last week we talked about the prodigal son, right? The son that was lost. One of the sons that was lost, right? He realized he would have it a lot better back at his father's home my friends go back home wherever you're running to if you're running to a bar if you're running to just away from something if you're running to the tv whatever that is go back home quit running from those things get back to church get back to a small group start a small group get back to your family go back home not only that but retrace your steps And go back to the places where you saw God move in your life. Right, Elijah? Remember the fire coming down, Elijah? Remember the rain? Remember running faster than a chariot? Go back home. Go back to the place where God moved in your life and remember those things. Maybe you're new in the faith, though. Maybe you don't have all those amazing moments where God did something or showed up or anything like that. Maybe you haven't experienced those things yet. My friends, you can always go back to the cross, right? You can always go back to the cross where you encountered the one true living God and He changed your life, right? You always have the cross. When things are at their worst and God turned everything upside down. Go back the way you came. Number three, you need to anchor your hearts in a defiant belief that the spirit of Jezebel is wrong. All right, I'm just going to be plain and simple about this. Anchor yourself in a confidence in God that leads you to believe that that Jezebel is a liar, that that fear is a lie. When fear says in 24 hours you're going to be dead, heck no, I'm going to trust what God tells me. If it happens and it's God's will, so be it. But otherwise, I'm going to lean into God. I'm going to anchor myself into God and what He says. And I'm going to listen to Him and entrust Him with my life. If you keep reading in the story, Jezebel does not have a very good ending. It's pretty brutal, right? Elijah, on the other hand, doesn't even die. He goes up to God in a flaming chariot. Don't listen to the spirit of Jezebel. Don't listen to to your fears bow down before god lord i'm scared i don't know what to do lord you need to move in this situation i need you to move in this situation i need you i need to just be right next to me i need to feel your presence and then you stand up in faith and you live off of that right you entrust yourself to god it is a humble confidence a confidence that you serve the God of the universe and he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you live off of that. Right? Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elijah son of Shephat from Abel. Mahaloha. I'm murdering those names. But you get the point to succeed you as a prophet. Go anoint Haziel, go anoint Jehu, and anoint Elijah. Seems kind of weird, right, that this is what God tells him to do. But if you keep reading, you see that God uses these three very people to rid Israel of Baal worship. God has a plan in motion these three people end up destroying the, uh, the house of Ahab, that wicked king. And they purge Israel of Baal worship. My friends, what is God calling you to do? You may be in a season of fear, but you still have a job to do. Trust what God is calling you to do. Be about his work. It may not make sense like when I first read that. That does not make sense to me. And maybe Elijah was wondering that same thing, but God sees the big picture. God has a perspective that we don't have. Remember when we went through the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? Your country's going to hell, build the kingdom. Do what God calls you to do. I love when we sang about the mountain mover. Right? Faith, worship takes our eyes off of the mountains, off of the problems, and puts it on the mountain mover. And that's what we need to do. Elijah, go anoint kings. Go call up the next generations. Go set in motion my purposes. My plan. This is who I created you to be. Who has God created you to be? What has God gifted you with? What has God called you to? He's called you to build the kingdom. And if you set your mind to that, He'll make a way through whatever you're afraid of. Now, listen, I'm not going to stand up here and say that the spirit of fear is just going to fold, right? just going to quit talking to you. No, that spirit of fear is going to be louder. It's going to be screaming at you. but give God the mic and allow his voice to be louder than any other voice in your life. Allow him to speak into your heart and to give you a boldness to stand for him, to build the kingdom. You know what I like to do when fear starts running through my head and I can't, and I can't sleep, and this is what I've learned, I start praising him. I start praising him. You are the God of the universe. Nothing is too big for you. Lord, this is scaring me. I don't know what to do. I feel dread. I don't want to face this, Lord. But I know that if you're with me, you can get me through these things. Man, worship God in those moments. Sing some songs. I'm a horrible singer, all right? But sing some songs of praise and worship. Praise him during those storms. This is what the Bible calls us to do. Like I said, worshiping takes the focus off the mountain and puts it on the mountain mover. Last thing, this is huge. I want you to know that you're not going up against 850 people alone. You're not, right? You're not alone. Elijah thought he was all alone. He said, I'm the only one left, but there are another hundred people, right? Another hundred people that God had saved. Another hundred prophets that God had saved to help carry on the work, all right? And then check out verse 18. uh, God tells Elijah, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Not only were there prophets, still, there were people, Still, that hadn't bowed down to Baal. And my friends, when you feel like you are the only one, there are more. There is a church here that will not bow down to the culture. There is a church here that will stand right next to you. We will stand with you through the storm. We will help you in any way that we can. And we'll consider it a privilege and an honor to do those things. Isn't it a privilege to stand by your brothers and sisters? That's what you have here. That's what you have in other churches as well. I love it when I meet somebody that's a Christian, man, because it's like instant bond. It's just different. And I hope we have that here. I hope we have people that will stand by each other and lift each other up. Would you stand with me? You are not alone with whatever you're facing. And even if you were, you still have the God of the universe that will stand right next to you, right? The God of the universe who knows exactly what you're going through because he came to this earth and lived in the flesh. He's faced everything that you've faced. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he's there for you. He'll stand by you. We'll stand by you. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I pray that if people are dealing with fear, that you would silence those voices, Lord, that you would speak louder into their hearts and they would know that they have a God who loves them, who is there for them. Father, I pray that they know that they have a church who will be for the, there for them as well. And Lord, I pray that you would call each and every one of them to be for other people around them too. Give us opportunities, Lord. Give us opportunities to stand alongside each other. Lord, give us boldness to stand up against the culture, against the things of this world. Lord, Father, may truth prevail. Lord, help us to be about truth, but also about grace. Help us to love people as you love them, to come up alongside them. Lord. Grow your church. Build your kingdom. Use us. Call us. Equip us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be bold. We just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.